Momentum, helping men succeed in life. Well, our special guest on Momentum today is Brisbane Member-based Councillor, the CEO of the Centre for Men and Families Australia, Richard Fay. It is so good to have you here, Richard. It's great to be here, Timothy. Thanks so much for joining us. You're 61. I am. Whenever you, anybody reaches 61, there's a, there's a whole backstory involved in those 61 years, which we're going to start by exploring. Give us a bit of background into who is Richard Fay. Born and raised on the North Shore of Sydney, my family had a very successful business uh, selling shoes. We had 75 shoe stores, very, very large business mm. going back four generations. Very typical white suburban boy in 1975. I went on a youth camp at the end of 75 and I became a Christian that night and uh, uh, very quickly discovered I had the gift of the gab and so I started leading youth groups went to Bible college, met my wife there, and we married and moved to Perth, largely to get as far away from my family as I could, because <laughs> they were very protective and a bit too involved. Well, you know, it's one of the things that we talk about, what it means to be a man, and my father was never fathered. Um, his own father abandoned him pretty much at birth. And so what a, one of the things that a dad does to a, a son is trust him with manhood and therefore release him fully. Hmm. And my father had so much anxiety that he tried to manage everything of my in my life. And right. so moving to Perth was a way that my wife and I could get established right. without them interfering in our lives. There is something that uh, is really important in a younger man's life is autonomy in the sense yeah. that I need, I need to prove I've got stuff, something here. Mm. And exactly. I he I hear this from men over and over. Younger men is just, I need to establish myself, and yeah. so that's what we did. And I we joined a, Perth, yeah. a church in Perth. I ended up the youth pastor in that church. My wife ended up the senior pastor's PA. Um, we were there for three years, and eventually cool. found our way back east. I retrained for the IT industry. I was in IT for 15 years. Mm. And then um, ministry knocked again and I became a pastor and then eventually senior pastor of a Baptist church in Brisbane. That sailed right through to the – just before I turned 50, I hit burnout and I didn't see it coming and I crashed and burned. I couldn't leave the house. I was a mess. Mm. I was uh, not wanting to live and just exhausted. And, of course, what was going on was childhood stuff that – uh, I had not been able to to deal with, and uh, yeah. that uh, resulted in counselling and me discovering a whole men's movement that I became involved with, which I ended up leading for the last seven years. Mm. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like none of these things are at least intentional from my part. In fact, I, I, I'm always a little bit cautious of a man who seeks notoriety, fame, power, position, yeah. because his ego is going to be ahead of his spirit, and mm. that's yeah. never a good thing. Good. Mm. I'll tell you a funny story. Is a, a church of a, a pastor of a very large church in Hawaii. Uh, this was uh, at a, a tra pastor's training event, and he was talking about his burnout. And uh, I went to the urinals. Now, any man listening to this will know that the unspoken rule is you never speak to a man at the mm. urinal. However, mm. this senior pastor, I'm going, well, this is my one chance. You know, he's, got a <laughs> he's got a church of 7,000, and, and I won't get a chance like this, so right. I'm going to ask him the question. The question I asked him is, did you see it coming? And he said, no, but my wife did which is exactly the same truth for my, my, my story. However, I hadn't hit burnout at this point, and I wanted to know that I could fireproof myself from burnout. Yeah. So let's talk about that mm. because, let's face it, I mean, after the year that we've had of 2020, uh, a lot of people will be feeling stressed, anxious, potentially maybe at that spot of burnout. They may not realize it. Mm. You, you said there that the wives perceptively – of both you and this pastor could see it coming. What what did they see that you didn't see? Um, 
my wife, when she gets tired, she winds down. When I get tired, I wind up. And uh, that's something I've learned about me. I, I, and it's still true at my age that I go faster when I'm tireder. It's anxiety, it's stress. It's like I'm trying to push something or prove something. Mm. So what was the moment? The moment was, uh, strangely, a prayer meeting at the end of a staff meeting. And we did all our planning for the week, which we did every staff meeting. And then we gathered in a circle and we put our arms around, I think we held hands or put our arms around each other's shoulders. There's about 10 of us. And we close our eyes and I pray some prayer that I would have prayed a thousand times and then other staff are praying and then while they're praying I hear this voice in my head says, saying, they don't love you for who you are, they love you for what you do. Mm. And it's like someone wow. tapped on a card, like a house of cards, the dominoes. The f first card fell and everything else fell. I went to sleep that night, barely able to sleep. Uh, I wept. I didn't sleep more than two or three hours a night at best for the next two months. Mm. I, I remember wow. preaching a, a message once, weeping all the way through it, and these two dear old ladies came up to me and said, oh, the Holy Spirit is on you. We could just see how the Holy Spirit was moving through you. And I didn't have the courage to say, actually, I'm in agony. Right. And yeah. I'm not coping. Mm. And uh, yeah. I could still function externally, but internally I, I was gone. Isn't that true for, for lots of men in life? You know, they we, we are expected to put on the front and we're expected to be brave and and so forth, but there's no release valve. There's nowhere that most men can go to to find that comfort. That, and, and that's why men alongside men is so important because once they have built up that trust and, and relationship, they've got somebody that will at least listen. You're so right, Des, that they've heard things like this when they were boys. Uh, stop crying, I'll give you something to cry about. Grow, yes, that's right. Man up, grow a pair, come mm. on, mm. toughen up, you big girl, which of course humiliates girls as well as boys. And yeah. you hear these messages and it tells the man that I cannot show you my cracks because if I do, mm. you won't trust me, you won't respect me, you'll withdraw from me, I'll be too much for you. Mm. My stuff yeah. has to be hidden. Yeah, exactly. So, so obviously there, there needs to be a better way. For people listening right now, for guys listening right now who – may be able to identify with some of what you've said or again just get that internal feeling that something is off something's not quite right mm. what do they do with that what they do if they don't seek help is just as important as what happens when they yeah. do but if they don't seek help they will normally act out what i mean by that is they'll go to the bottle uh, or, or prescription drugs or even non-prescription drugs, they will go to bed. They'll go with uh, any woman that they can find, even prostitutes. They will go to porn. Oh, so many men, so yes. many men yes. get, you know, they, they get stuck in a story about porn. What a, what a terribly small story. What a, what a messed up story for mm. a man. Mm. Mm. Takes all his strength away. And strangely, the other thing he'll do is, is he'll, uh, he'll just withdraw from people and then he can become a rageaholic and you know, he just shouts and screams at the people closest to him and of course that pushes them away because what he's actually unconsciously doing is don't get near me i'm a problem i will disappoint you and i can't handle that so i'm going to be actively pushing you away so you don't choose it i choose that mm. rejection gives me some weird sense of control mm. so men do all of those things yes you mentioned for you that some of it was the childhood stuff you hadn't dealt with. Mm. Let's then talk about identity because a lot of that is formed in childhood. Mm. The, the fact that a lot of stuff happens at such a young age that when acting out of that but in an unconscious way as an adult, 
Mm. And yet, as you said, if it doesn't get dealt with, it catches up with you at some stage. It absolutely does. You know, you watch boys play and they're always asking the question of each other and themselves, do you say I've got what it takes? Mm. Do I, do mm. I have it? Please tell me I have it. They've been asking mum and dad, particularly dad from the age of six yeah. onwards, dad, tell me I've got it. I need to know I've got it. They don't ask dad the question directly. You know, they'll say, hey, dad, come have a look at this. Hey, dad, look what I just did. Hey, dad, hey, dad, watch this with me. And yeah. dad often will go, look, I'm busy right now. You know, the cat's in the cradle. I'm yeah. busy right now. Or, well, actually, I could do that but by the time I was four. You know, it was like dad's mm. trying to prove yeah. something. Or, yeah, you've done that, but you could have done better. And so yeah. that boy either gets a question that I'm not as good as dad or I'm interfering with dad's more important than life, therefore I'm not that important. Mm. So he's a sponge and he's, he's unconsciously, as you just said, he's absorbing his world constantly. Yeah. And assessing it through this lens of what do others say I am? As I said, between the ages of, of, of six and 12, he's asking dad. And the boys at school, he's testing it there. And from 12 to 18, he's asking his peers. Mm. And then, of course, tragically, if, he's, if he hasn't got it from boys, where's he going to go? He's going to go to girls. And if that girl will like me, if that girl will choose me, if that girl will, I'll, I'll be blunt, if that girl will sleep with me, I must be a man. Because she says I'm worth something. And so many men who are fatherless or have a father wound or father hunger, strangely, will end up going the opposite place. They'll go to girls for identity. And that mm. doesn't work either. We live in a fatherless generation. We've been hearing that for a while. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of guys now getting their identity from social media, from what they see, from you know pictures and uh, mm. stuff online. Mm. Uh, again, for me, that just seems so concerning because a lot of it is just visual. Well, if I have the pecs and the abs, then I'm good. Mm. But there's no substance to that. No. So, and I guess sometimes it's a starting place. And so, therefore, some expression of it's actually going to be healthy. But a lot of it isn't because he's asking the question externally. But we do start externally. And, yes, as you say, social media has ramped this up to the nth degree now mm. where I can posture and pose and impress others and think that that's going to satisfy me. Who goes to sleep with you at night? yourself mm. what do you say because identity is deep deep within us and and th there's some historic reasons for this and one of them is the fact that we had two world wars which traumatized so many men and yeah. they came back into families without the skills to be able to handle the loss and grief or they didn't come back into families and their sons mm. had loss and grief mm. and didn't know how to yeah. process it so that that was one big issue but i could go back hundreds of years when men were sent off to, to factories and mines and taken away from their families and suddenly the apprenticeship that a boy would have with his dad was gone because mm. the industrial revolution yeah. changed all of that then the elders mm -hmm. of the village disappeared and of course it's not just dad it's a whole village of men one of the things that I did with my sons was to get them alongside my mates. We'd go bush with the, uh, the dads of boys their age so that they could, particularly around the age of seven, eight, nine, they could start to see that other men have the same values as dad. Mm. You know, it's not just dad saying it because dad's being difficult. No, those, those men have the same values. Mm. And then they can be shaped and informed by other men who I know and I know their values. And that can be really yeah. helpful because it does yeah. take a village to raise a child. Yes. But a lot of guys, of course, we, we found that the hard way or we, we still don't have that 
in our lives. We, mm. we, we still feel isolated. We're still unsure of ourselves. And we are, if we're really honest, we're putting on the front and the bravado to some degree. Okay. Thoughts, advice for people right yeah, now in that well, space? Well, well I, I, and you were there, Timothy. I preached last Sunday in a church and I, I realized what I was uh, inviting men to do was to be real and honest about what they're dealing with. Mm. Uh, and... I went to the senior pastor and I said, you might find men want to talk about stuff as a result of today and yesterday, men's breakfast and, and Sunday. And I don't know if that's going to be the case or not. I hope every church has access to mentors and coaches who aren't going to project a version of themselves, turn men, turn younger men into projects, mm. but simply be present and available to hear and listen. I'd say to men, because I work as a counsellor, just feel safe enough to talk to somebody about it. Mm. A safe voice is someone who owns his own wounds, his own brokenness. That man becomes very safe because he's not trying to be somebody he's not. He's being mm. himself. And that means other men can be themselves. And gosh, mm. change happens then. So Richard, uh, a man whose man is listening to this show and he's struggling with his identity. What would you recommend as a counsellor for that guy? How can he take steps to find out who he really is? Uh, one of the things that I would not advise, I'm starting with the opposite, is that he doesn't spend too much time in a solitary place trying to work it out because he hasn't got the tools to work it out yet. Mm. Yeah. Going solitary can be a, actually a, an avoidance strategy and it can be dangerous because if you don't have a formed identity, then you're going to have the opposite. You go into silence, you're mm. going to, yeah, you're, you're a loser. Mm. You're a waste of space. The world is better off without you. That's a dangerous voice. Mm. And it's also mm. an absolute lie. Uh, or you believe there's no way out of this. I'm stuck now. So that's the first thing is, is to not just depend on your own inner resources. If you don't have an identity, you won't find it in a book, but books can help you. John Eldridge's book, Wild at Heart, was the starting place for so many men. Mm. That was one of the early books I read on what it means to be an authentic man, a healthy man. Then the next one would be to talk to someone, obviously, and I don't mean a woman, I mean a man. You will not find identity by talking to a woman. You might find comfort. You might find support and understanding. You won't find identity. And yeah. any woman listening to this, I hope you know I'm I'm honouring you. I'm not uh, saying there's anything not true. We, we do have a problem in our society in that women have increasingly got to understand who they are in the world, that they know that they have dignity and respect and a voice and power and that they can own stuff. And as they've started to come into that, the world has shifted in so many ways that the patriarchal society that my grandfather and, dare I say it, my father were born into doesn't exist anymore. Mm. And and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's a disorienting thing for men. men. Mm. I, I don't want to get men back in charge of everything. That's not the game we can partner with women and do amazing wonderful things however for identity man has a man will mm. only find that in the context of other men uh, i'm involved as timothy's experienced with the men's rites of passage which is male initiation which is extraordinary work that's a whole other topic we could talk for an hour on that alone but eventually uh, i would argue that it's really helpful for a man to experience initiation which is a safe place for him to notice how he's able to lose he's able to fail mm. and know his yeah. his identity is 
really boils down to because the question is, what is identity? You, Des, you, Timothy, I, Richard, are beloved sons yes. of God. It doesn't go past there at all. That's that's the beginning and ending of identity. Mm. Well, we, we build on that, but but it but it's that is the foundation. Richard, take a couple of minutes and talk about that rites of passage program. All ancient intact cultures initiated boys into manhood. Uh, a boy needed to know that life wasn't about him, but he was about mm. life. Mm. He needed to know that he wasn't that important, but he knew what was important because it was important that he got that. Otherwise, he would have this prolonged adolescence, and we live in a patho-adolescent society. In other words, adolescence goes into your 40s and 50s, in some cases, Mm. 70s. Mm. Uh, And that's tragic because that man still thinks it's about him and he's he's more important than everything. That he's not in control, but it's okay because everything belongs... That happens. Everything happens for a reason. Nothing is going to throw him then. He doesn't have to get back in control. A controlling man is, is very rigid. You know, it's just like the man who's stuck in gridlock and peak hour traffic and, and is getting more and more frustrated because he's running late for a meeting. He's forgotten life's hard. Or he comes home and the house is a mess and his wife, you know, hasn't done the dishes and dinner's not cooked and he just wants to blow. Mm. Uh, even though she's worked today too and looked after kids. He wants to blaze out enough. Any man who says, I've had enough, is a man who's forgotten that life is hard. Mm. And, you know, initiation takes us into that. Now, the initiation that, that I'm more more involved with these days is not, not initiating boys into manhood, but initiating men into elderhood mm. so that we give life to younger men. There are um, three biological imperatives, birth, puberty, and death, but there are eight transitions we go through in life, birth, and puberty are the first two. But then there is the transition from leaving home, which is normally late adolescence, so around 18, 19. Then there is the transition, what's often into parenthood, which is your late 20s or early 30s. Then there is the transition in midlife, somewhere in your 40s, mid 40s, late 40s, where you start asking bigger questions. What's the second half of my life look like? Then there's a transition called retirement. Then there's that transition into old age. And then the final one being death. So a rite of passage helps a man transition at a point in his life where things are changing. We now actually in America have an elder rites of passage, which is initiating men into retirement. Mm. And how that retirement, of course, is a big misnomer. Retirement's a golf handicap and a cruise. What a boring experience for an older man. When he's got this, I'm looking at you, Des, I'm just assuming you're not 29 anymore. And I'm, I think I'm looking at a, yeah. gen, a, a generative man who still knows that he's got more to offer, actually, with oh, life totally. experience than he's ever had. Yes, totally. His, his worth and wealth in the world increases, but we put these people in gated communities called retirement yeah. villages and tell them to just be quiet and, and, and push them away. And we end up mm. with a youth culture without any wisdom. Mm. And and yeah. you know the thing that I've discovered, to my great surprise and delight, is that younger men are seeking out wise elders. Mm. Wise elder doesn't go pushing for, hey, I'm the guy that should be mentoring you because you've got real influence. No, 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 no. That person... Yeah. Uh, will seek out a wise elder, and they're looking. There is, as you said, father hunger and father wound, those mm. two. Men are yeah. looking for older men that they can trust. On behalf of Momentum Australia, we'd like to thank Richard Fay for his time today. The first part of a two-part series talking about men and how men do life. So next week, Richard will be back, and we'll be talking more about how to do life well. Thank you. For more information or to hear this week's show again, go to MomentumAustralia.org.
You can also access a whole range of resources to help you on your journey and to get in touch with the team at MomentumAustralia.org.